1: Good evening and welcome to the Speakeasy Podcast. I am your host, Constance Willard, and in March, this is Women's Month. And here at the Speakeasy, we celebrate women all over the world regardless of who you are and where you are. We salute you and we celebrate you, not just today, not just during the month of March, but every day. And we thank you to all women, let's give ourselves a hand because we do so much in service for others as well as ourselves. And so today we have an amazing guest here and we're talking about sabotaging behaviors and how they prevent us from being our best selves. And so tonight we have with us Christian Cook. She's an author and she's here and she's coming to share with us about sabotaging behaviors and how to overcome them. And so Christian, good evening. How are you? Good evening. I'm doing good. How are you? I'm doing great. Thank you so much for coming this evening and spending the evening with us and to share with us your insight and your wisdom. So just kind of tell the listening audience who you are.
2: Well, my name is Christian Cook. I am from the Metro Detroit area, born and raised. And I am an author of young adult fiction. Um, Growing up, I devoured books. I loved reading, was an avid reader from all the way from, literally it stems back from elementary school. And I feel like the stories I read over time really inspired me to one day write my own work as well. But from moving from Detroit, then I went to Chicago to go to Columbia College, Chicago. I actually majored in public relations, but I always kept creative writing as a tool to help me in PR, but also as me writing my own books in the, um, in the future.
1: Wow, wow, wow. Okay, well, great. So tell us about your book. So my and novel. You have two. Yes.
2: Yes. Um, my yes. recently published novel, Growing in the Gray, came out September 6th of last year. And it is loosely based off of some of my experiences, but I wanted to write a book about a about a coming-of-age story with a female black lead that was on her own path, trying to strip herself of her own upbringing and creating a life for herself and the ups and downs that comes with that. She struggles with anxiety, she's always questioning herself, but she does have a burning desire to become what she wants to be. And in this book specifically, she leaves home to become an art curator and she's just confused on how to get there, how to start her career, and how to fit into a space where there's not that many people that look like her. How is she gonna get the door open? Then we have, of course, a love interest that comes with any coming of age tale. And in her line of work, she goes to art school. And they're all of her friend groups. They have specific passions. They are like the friends she's with. They're into fashion. They wanna be stylists, fashion designers, and all these other interesting people she meets along the way. But on your climb up, you also see Are her friends really happy for her? Um, Everybody wants to make it. Is she surrounded by the right people in a city where she doesn't know anyone? So it's like a fresh start to her life to make it look the way she wants it to.
1: Wow, that is phenomenal. That is phenomenal. And so you pursued your dream. You had that vision in yourself at an early age and you pursued your dream. Very good, very good. So just kind of tell us what else you're doing right now. Well, right now, I am
2: mainly really still writing. Um, I am still doing book promo, actually, which I'm surprised because the book has been out for about six months now. So I just feel very blessed that people are still interested in talking to me, interviewing me, getting to know who I am as an artist. And I have a good chunk of things lined up for this year that I'm really excited for that isn't just writing related because I don't want to be just known as a writer or an author, but a storyteller overall and switching to different mediums that I'm excited to learn about, the neck of working with different people and they're putting me in like the right positions to branch out and do different things.
1: So multifaceted. Exactly. The word for Christian is multifaceted, exciting, very good. So let's talk about the sabotaging behaviors and just kind of share your journey. You know, that's my platform. One of my platforms is to talk about sabotaging behaviors and how to overcome them. And for me, it was a 47-year experience from the age of three to the age of 50. And so, you know, it, it took me all that time. I went through it. And then to come to a point of recognition of what was going on, mm-hmm. but then also a point of revealing and revealing to heal. So, just kind of walk us through your story with the sabotaging behaviors. So, from
2: a young age, I did struggle with anxiety. That I always say that it started off sometimes as social. And then as I got older, it did become like a clinical problem where I did have to take medication for it. As a child, I do remember, I think it started when I was in second grade and my family moved from Michigan to Alabama. Mm. And at first I was excited because I'm like, oh, it's a new place. I'm going to get to meet some new people. That's where my dad is from. He's from the Greenville, Alabama area. And I was just down for it. I didn't have much of a say in it because I'm what, like maybe six or seven at the time. So I'm like, OK, the family's moving to Alabama. But when I got there, I didn't really fit in with the kids. I was really popular in my elementary school, too. So I didn't think that was going to be a problem for me. I think I just stood out too much. I was very much a girly girl, always had like the sparkly pens and the lip glosses. My hair had to be done a specific type of way. And the other children were a little bit more subdued and I kind of got bullied a little bit for me standing out all the time. So I was always anxious about going to school. My stomach was always hurting. I felt like I practically lived in the nurse's office at school. Mm-hmm. And eventually I did moved back to Michigan a few months after that, begging my parents um, to move back home to what I called home and what I knew. So having a huge scenery switch, being teased, trying to adapt to a new environment at such a young age, I was always worried about everything. The way I spoke was different, the way I looked, the way I acted. And even the scenery outside of school was different. I remember this area, they called it the bypass, where it was like the strip of like restaurants and the Walmart, and that's all they had. I'm like, where are all the other things that I was like so used to being surrounded by all the time? So over time, I feel like me switching my environment, trying to really morph myself to what's around me has caused Issues on and off. I've moved around a lot. We never stayed in a home for more than like three or four years. So I switched schools often. And even as an adult, switching jobs due to the environment. And that's a whole different topic because I've been in some toxic work environments too. But I never wanted the environment to change me because I loved who I was and the essence of it. But it was the outside world that made me not want to like who I am because I was seen to be different. Yes. So when you're always walking around with what you feel like is a target on your back, not feeling supported, not feeling encouraged, not feeling safe in your environment, your headspace can become a negative place to be. So I have, over years, I've been through therapy before, in and out. I started at childhood. When we moved back to Michigan, I did go see a therapist for the first time, and that helped a lot. Being able to talk about my feelings in a very vivid way and being guided on not just what I'm feeling, but why I'm feeling it and how to, like best practices on how to work through those feelings.
1: Wow. Wow. And, you know, I, I'm, I'm listening to you talk and it's just all resonating with me so well. Same, semi-same situation. OK, you know, just um, the lack of acceptance and being different. Just being different. And, you know, I can I'll never forget one day. I think I was like seven and I was telling my dad, I just don't fit in. You know, nobody likes me. I don't like them. I don't fit in. He <laughs> said, He said, guess what? it's not your job to fit in. You are not supposed to fit in because you're made different. You're different. So you're not supposed to fit in. So don't try. And when he said that, that just kind of woke up something within my spirit that you know what? Hey, this is who I am. Take it or leave it. Take it or leave it. This is me. And if it was not meant to be, God would not have made it so. Exactly. Exactly. He would not, and that goes for anybody. You know, he would, if it were not meant to be, he would not have allowed it to be. And so everything happens in the, his divine order, not ours. But, you know, the, the beauty of it is, you know, we learn one day, but we have to go through that growth process to learn that, hey, I'm okay, I am enough. You know, and if we had that maturity, then... Maybe we would not have engaged in the behaviors, but we did. We had to grow and develop and to learn those things. And so just kind of share with us, you know, you went off to college. What were your college years like for you? I feel like my college years
2: were actually my time to shine. If anything, those are the memories that I'm the most fond of. Besides, like, finding different ways to pay for school, that was the most stressful part of college. But the experiences within itself, my social life really started to flourish after that freshman year. That freshman year, first semester, I kind of went through those same butterfly feelings. I'm like, I don't know how to navigate Chicago. I don't really fit in with the students here. I thought I was going to art school and I thought I was gonna meet a whole bunch of creative people like me. And they were creative, but just our personalities and our belief systems and all these different things kind of just made me felt like there was like a separation there. Mm -hmm. But that second semester was when, really when I kind of felt like I found a group of people that I could really fit in with. I started going to concerts, going to parties, really being who I always was on the inside, but never really felt comfortable enough to show on the outside. I also had just a vast array of internship experience. I worked at my school newspaper. I interned at Modern Luxury Magazine. I worked at a few event spaces here doing corporate events and social events. Um, I worked at, um, interned at Chicago's First Lady River Cruises as a marketing intern, where I really got to get into the tourism side of the city, get ex really learn how to market the city to tourists, but also to the people who live here to have more fun experiences and get them out of their neighborhood. Because Chicago is huge. It's 77 neighborhoods. I feel like it sprawls on forever. And people sometimes can get stuck in their little bubble. And even I who lived there for a long time, I kind of found myself kind of circling, circling around like the same five or six or so too. And when you do go to a new restaurant in a different neighborhood or go to a new hot spot or something, you do sometimes feel like you went somewhere new. You traveled, you had a good experience.
0: Yes.
2: I also traveled a lot in college. That was my first time going out the country. I went to Paris my junior year of college for a writing program. I was there for two weeks and it honestly felt like a dream. I'll never forget when I put my bags down in my room that I was gonna stay in. I opened the window, had a gorgeous view and I like just like started touching the air because I just felt like this was a dream. I'm like, how am I actually here? What's going on? It was a way, like something that happened that I can't even verbally describe my feelings because when I was literally four, my dream was to go to Paris because I saw the Aristocats of that Disney animated movie. (laughs) And that was one of my favorite movies at the time. So the fact that the first country I ever went to was the country I wanted to go to when I was literally four years old, literally blew my mind. I traveled a lot. That's when I really started dating was in college, which had a lot of ups and downs, but that's just kind of how dating goes, especially when you're young and no one really knows what they're looking for. They just want to date people because they're attractive or they they think they're interesting. They're intrigued by like the outer shell, and college really did help me prepare for my years after, like after college, I did start working full time, like directly. I got my job offer and I graduated on Saturday and I started went to work on Monday. Mm-hmm. So college for me was just a whirlwind of creating who I wanted to be. I felt like I had those four years to really try everything, try internships, try get to volunteer, roam around the city, and don't feel like just Chicago was it for you. But if you find an opportunity outside the city or outside the country, go after it. And I feel like I had the most energy during my college years. And I have flashbacks in my college years all the time, which really inspired me to write my book, Growing in the Gray.
1: Wow. Wow. And you know, so I'm listening to you tell your story about the internships and the various opportunities opportunities that you were engaged in during that time. During that time, did you recognize or realize how you were evolving as a young woman? Did you realize that?
2: So much so. Um, it almost felt like there wasn't a time that went by where I didn't think that because I was thinking like, here you are a little girl from Michigan who's never lived away from your parents ever. You start college at 17 because I graduated high school at 16. I almost used to make jokes. I'm like, I feel like an orphan where or I'm like, you know what? I just, I just threw myself out there because I knew if I didn't leave then I would have never left. It really wasn't a reason to. No one from my family actually ever wanted me to go. To Chicago, move there and go to school. They're like, there's all these great schools in Michigan. Why? I even got scholar, good scholarship opportunities in Michigan, and I turned them down. So of course, they're looking at it from a money perspective too. But I'm looking at it as I always felt like that. I had so much more in me. I come from a background of profess my like family are professors, teachers, veterans, and I knew that was not the route for me. I knew that I wanted to create elaborate stories and have some type of platform. It was a very loose idea in my mind. And I'm a type of person that likes to have a plan, but leaves room for all the amazing unexpected opportunities that could come along your way. So as I, especially now where I'm having speaking engagements and going around and talking to the youth, I was like one of the quietest people growing up. Um, in like middle school and high school. I didn't really want to be known too much in those arenas because in my head, I'm like, you know what? When I want to be known, I want to be in the right city, at the right place, at the right time, around the people that I think it makes sense. I'm like, I don't really like you guys that much, so I don't want you to know who I am. But when I move away, I wanted to create the woman I wanted to be. And along those steps, as exciting as it was and as intriguing as it was, I questioned myself almost every step along the way. It's just like, are you sure about this? This seems too much for you. You know what? You had these opportunities that you already had. Great job. You can turn around and go back now. You don't have to push anymore. But just that continuously questioning myself. And I hate the questions like, do I belong in the space? I kind of hate that question. Because I I belong in any space I choose to belong in. That's the way I think now. Where in a lot of spaces that I'm in, in the PR ad marketing world, and even publishing, it's very different for a young black woman, especially. I always say I get the three swords, like the three daggers, because I'm young, I'm black, and I'm a woman. Where people think it's not my turn because I'm too young, or they're not used to young black women telling very provocative, interesting, and contorted stories. But that's what my life has been. And that's what I want to share.
1: Wow. Wow. And you know what? It definitely needs to be shared because there's other people who feel the same way. They feel boxed in and they feel that, you know what, maybe I shouldn't say that, or maybe I should not tell that. No one needs to know that, but listen, your story needs to be heard. Our stories are not for us. They are about us, but they are for someone else. You know, for someone else. And so I'm glad you're here this evening sharing this. I like what you said about I I am in whatever space I feel I belong in. I belong to whatever space I feel I belong. And that is true. You know, we have to go in. If the table is not set for us, we have to bring our own table and set it.
2: Or break the table. I'm Maybe. at the point where I'm I'm interested in doing that at this, this point. Table. I've just been so annoyed over the years, especially in the corporate spaces that I've worked in where I don't even like I've, I've received a lot of I have so many interesting corporate work stories working in corporate America for four years where I never even thought in my own mind that I couldn't have a seat at the table. But when I finally got into the spaces and I wasn't just some intern trying to work their way up and do all these minute tasks, that I have all these major ideas, they, don't, they can't even fit at the table. Yes. So every now and then I think people who had higher work titles in those spaces almost like she should just even be grateful to be here. I'm like, no, it's not enough. And no, I'm not questioning myself. Um, because I know who I am and I know what I have to say and I know what I have to offer. I had years of work experience before I even graduated college. So by the time I graduated and I had the role I had, I blew through it pretty fast and I was interested in doing something else. Of course, that's not going to be well-received when people are trying to plan your career for you. Mm-hmm. And there's no one that can plan my career except for me.
1: Exactly. 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 You know, I worked in the VA healthcare system for a while. And so I went through a progression where I went from like five different duty stations. But it was because each time it was due to a promotion. And you will not believe how many times I've had to explain that when I interviewed for another position. So why did you move around so much? It was the same organization. The same organization. I had longevity there. The same, I was there 17 years, the same organization, just a different location. And it was because each time it was due to a promotion, not because I chose to leave. It was because I had an opportunity. A promotion was presented. So each move that I made, all five of those moves that I made was due to a promotion. And I just, I have had the hardest time explaining that to people. They just don't get it. Well, you know, you don't have any longevity. Yes, I do. I've been with the same organization for the past 17 years.
2: And it's kind of wild to me that someone wouldn't get that. Who would not take a promotion if it is offered and presented
1: to them? Exactly, exactly, exactly. You know, and so to me, it showed career progression, but it also showed the leader, the true leader that I am, that I am being sought out for these roles. And so any future employer, you know, to me, they would recognize, especially in leadership, I would think they would recognize that. But I've had to explain that so many times. And so getting back to the sabotaging behaviors. And for some young girl, some young woman who's out there who may be in that place of stuck and they are engaging in sabotaging behaviors, what advice do you have for them?
2: My advice for them is to... Really take the time to honestly list out what are your habits that are holding you back? What are the habits that you want to shed? What are the habits that you have that are creating negative patterns in your life? Okay. Really taking the time to literally write them out so you can see them. So you can hold yourself accountable for what they are. And if the list is long, literally pick a few that you can shed at one time. When Sometimes there's these hard resets that we have in life where we look around and ask ourselves, like, how did I even get here? I never thought a million years I want to be, a, be in a position like this. I don't like my own life. Well, if you've been having these sabotaging behaviors for years, you won't wake up one day and they'll be gone. It takes active work, Mm -hmm. which no one likes to do and no one likes to hear. Everybody wants to take a magic, magic potion and everything be going away. And that's just not how life goes. And I even tell myself that when I'm like, you know what? I don't know how I got here. I don't want my life to be this way. What can I do? And literally one step at a time, knock them down. And you will see your life change in ways you would not even imagine. Even if you just get rid of two sabotaging behaviors out of a list of 20, exactly. your life will improve. Exactly. And it will inspire you to get rid of the rest, whatever, the, whatever they are. But it takes time and you have to have patience for yourself. You have to allow yourself the room and opportunity and time to grow. Just like you gave yourself all that time to ruin your life with the sabotaging behaviors.
1: Exactly, and you know, and don't beat yourself up. You know, if you fall off of the wagon, because it's gonna happen. We're human, and things every day is not gonna be smooth, and things are going to happen, and we may revert back to those behaviors. But it's a matter of okay, we know better. We're not gonna go there and stay. We're gonna pull ourselves out of it, or we're gonna talk ourselves out of it. And it's not gonna happen overnight that we bring these things full circle. And like you said, it takes time. You know, and if you only attack one, that's progress. That's progress. Because if you attack that one, you have, number one, acknowledged that you have the issue and that you're showing some initiative to make a difference. And so I thank you so much for sharing that with us. And so let's talk about your books again. Um, give the titles and where can we purchase these?
2: Well, Growing in the Gray is available for purchase on barnesandnoble.com and amazon.com. My self-published novel, I Hate Gray, which is a book I wrote as a teenager, can also be purchased on barnesandnoble.com and amazon.com as well.
1: And I'm going to purchase my copies and I will be sending them to you because I want mine autographed. Of course, I would love to sign a copy for you. I want my autograph. I'm not going to take no for an answer. (laughs) You know, because, you know, I ran across you on LinkedIn. Yes. And I was reading your profile and some of the things you were doing. I'm like, okay, I need her to come on this platform. And let's talk about this. Because like I said, this is something near and dear to my heart. Because, you know, after at age 50, When I decide to make the change and to do some things to to correct it and to stop engaging these behaviors. And I'm like, okay, I got the process in motion. But then I developed another behavior that I didn't have prior to that, because I didn't. The people that know me now that did not know me when I was heavy, I didn't want them to know that I was ever heavy. (laughs) (laughs) and it dawned on me one day I'm like what is wrong with you have you lost your mind what's there to hide so you were heavy you lived it you've overcome it keep it moving keep telling your story help to bring someone else out of the ashes and so that's what I do you know I am proud to say that at one time in my life I was a size 24 female and I weighed 265 pounds I am now proud to say that at one time I was not, but I mean, Hey, that was my life. That was your
2: life. That and was my life. And that was me. Yes. And it will inspire others.
1: Yes. Yes. You know? And so that's my whole mission is to inspire, to educate and to elevate. You know, if it happened for me, it can happen for you. You know, if there's someone out there who the parents are telling them one thing as far as a career path, because parents tend to do that. You know, because in their minds, they want what's best for you. You know, my parents thing was, no, you will not pursue a journalism English major because you need something that's going to pay your bills. If you don't sell a book, you can't pay your bills. So, nope, find something else to do. Okay. And so, for me, writing went on a back burner all those years until the pandemic hit.
2: A lot of people did rediscover their passions during the Mm -hmm. pandemic, actually. Mm Mm-hmm. You saying that, one thing I can say and give my um, parents credit to is they did allow me the space to dream and they did support me. I remember when I was interested in being a model and actress when I was a child, my mom took me to different tryouts. She would get my um, comp cards together and ready. And that's something that I'm appreciative for because they didn't limit my thoughts and she always encouraged me to create and same thing with my dad even though he's not like a majorly creative person he did instill the value of having a work ethic if that man would do anything that man would go to work and that's one thing about me too I am a hustler by nature my mom owned the daycare center I went to when I was a child I avoided the entrepreneur path at first all my life. And I saw the pain that I was experiencing in these toxic work environments. And it launched me to entrepreneurship. It's almost like that was the path I was supposed to take the entire time. But as a younger teen, and even my early 20s, I didn't know what type of business, what my brand would be, where you can go on my website, craftedbychristian.com, and I'm getting back into my email mailing list. You can sign up if you're interested there, put your email right in. I'm getting back to my monthly newsletter. You can purchase my book on my website too. You see all my work experience and my history. Um, You get to really know me through my brand, craftedbychristian.com, and I offer consulting services for PR, marketing, advertising, because I will never not have an interest in a field that I studied, that I worked in for years, and that I actually have heavy expertise on, and I'm interested to see how these fields will continue to change as technology takes over. So other than writing... If anyone ever wants to tap me for a question, you can email me at info at crafterbychristian.com. I would love to offer some consulting services for your business if you're interested as well.
1: Thank you for sharing that. Thank you for sharing. Thank you so much for sharing that. So listen, thank you so much for coming this evening and sharing with us and telling your story and encouraging and inspiring. And I want to encourage you to continue on the path that you're on. You are phenomenal. Thank you, Constance. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much. I want you to come back so we can talk about these sabotaging behaviors because there are so many of them.
2: There are. Yes, there are. As long as I'm learning, I would love to literally spread the knowledge because knowledge is power. Knowledge unlocks doors. Knowledge helps people reach their next levels in life.
1: So you heard it from Christian. She wants to come back. She's willing to come back. The speakeasy will be addressing sabotaging behaviors on another platform that'll be coming soon. So stay tuned, stay tuned to the speakeasy podcast. And so listen, thank you for tuning in with us this evening. I want to thank our guest, Christian Cook, for coming in and sharing her amazing story, the things that she's doing now and the wonderful difference and the footprint that she's leaving in civilization today. So until next time, may God continue to bless you today. Tomorrow and always continue to bless you richly. Have a good evening. Okay, now, how am I going to end this thing? (laughs) Woo! Okay.
2: I'm looking forward to us staying connected, Constance. I'm glad we have each other on LinkedIn. I definitely see all your posts. I know... um, When will this episode...